Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this gathering of believers. And Lord, thank you for everything you're doing in our midst. And Lord, now as we worship you, we want to sit and, and dig into your word. Dig into 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and see what you have to say to us this morning. Thank you, Father, for this time we have together. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. 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 You may have a seat and let there be light. Um, children are dismissed to children's church. And if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. And Rick's got a Bible for you. Awesome. 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 Oh, we're good to go. Question for you this morning. What makes a ministry strong? When you think about a strong ministry, what characteristics come to mind? Or better yet, how about when you receive a support letter in the mail, a ministry requesting your support? What, what do you take into consideration? What do you look for in a ministry that you want to support financially or to be there for? Um, what, what do you look for? What does the Bible say? That's what we're looking at this morning. What does the Bible say about ministry? And this morning in our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 18, I want to give you six principles this morning. Six principles of what I'm calling a ministry that counts. And I'm going to go ahead, ahead of time, and give you an outline of my sermon. So you can be looking at these and be thinking about these. Let's check them out. A ministry that counts. This morning in our text, in verses 1 through 18, we're going to see the requirement. What's the requirement for ministry? For someone to be effective in ministry, what's the requirement? What does it look like? What does it look like in the natural realm? How can we see a ministry that's operating and that's healthy? The demand, that's huge. The demand of ministry. Then we'll be looking at support. Then we'll be looking at what's at the center of a ministry. And then we'll close the passage this morning in verse 18 with the reward. You know, there's a reward that we're working towards in ministry. We're working towards, we have a goal, we have a vision, we have a plan. We know what God has given us to do. And we take what we see in his word, we apply it in the world, and that gives us a vision, a focus, and a ministry. And it's very important that not just the pastor have, um, does ministry that counts, but it's also important that you, on an individual basis, because every single believer in Jesus Christ is an ambassador in this world for Jesus. And he has a calling on every single believer's life. No matter where you're at in your Christian walk, whether you're a new believer or you're a seasoned veteran, God has a calling for you. He has a ministry for Sasha and Lana. He has a ministry for you guys. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at a ministry that counts. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 can be summed up in the context of the passage. It can be summed up in two things. The Apostle Paul is defending his apostleship. The church at Corinth has sent him a letter questioning his authority. In verses 1 through 3, he defends him being an apostle. And then he spends the rest of the chapter on why they should support him why they should support him in the ministry. So what I've done is we can look at this from different angles. We can look at it, why you should support a ministry. But what I did is I went through the text this week and I pulled out is what do we look for in a ministry? Because when your heart is in unity and agreement 
with a ministry, whether it's a missionary in Costa Rica or, or a local church or a local outreach, you will want to support. You will want to be a part of that ministry. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll dive in to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, as we dig into it now, um, just give us clarity. Lord, let us see what you're saying in your word, and let us take it to heart, and um, let this build our lives. And Lord, even now, even in the middle of this, this teaching this morning, Lord, place things on people's hearts that you're calling them to do, ministries to be a part of, places to go, people to reach out to, people that we can share Jesus with. Let us build our lives on you and your word. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If, you say, if you're there, say I'm there. All right, let's do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Now, the first thing the church at Corinth has sent a letter to the Apostle Paul. They're having all these questions that the, the, the whole um, second half of 1 Corinthians is dealing with. And one of them is they were request, questioning his apostleship. And they were questioning his authority. Why? What was Paul not? He was not one of the original 12 disciples. He was not one of those who walked with the disciples of Jesus. And there in verse 1, he, he starts defending himself. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? He says, have, have I not, here it is, have I not seen Jesus our Lord? What gave the apostle Paul his authority for his ministry happened in Acts chapter 9. When he was on the road to Damascus, it says he was breathing venom and he was going to kill some Christians. He'd had it with them. And then a bright, blinding light came from heaven, and the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the Apostle Paul. It blinded him. He couldn't see. He had to go to Annas' house. Annas had to minister to him. But what was Je Jesus appeared to the Apostle Paul, revealed himself to him. And basically, the Apostle Paul, was who, what was his job? His job, his primary calling, was to take the gospel to the Gentile world, to bust Christianity out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, and to start spreading the gospel around the world. So my first, the first principle for a ministry that counts is, is what is the requirement? What is the requirement for you to be a part, to be in a ministry that counts? And it's this, you got to have an authentic conversion. You got to have an authentic conversion. I ask you this this morning. Have you seen by faith the Son of God high and lifted up? Do you understand that that sacrifice was made for you? It was made for you so that you could be forgiven and washed and made clean and brought into a new and living relationship with Jesus. That was done for you and his resurrection from the dead. His bodily resurrection from the dead was done for you so that you could have eternal life, so that you could know what awaits us on the other side. 
It was done for you. And what we have to do to have an authentic conversion is we have to trust in that. We have to say, Lord Jesus, I don't trust in going to church. I don't trust in my good works. I trust in you. I trust in you, Lord, for what you've done for me and my life. So you've got to have, you have an authentic conversion where it's called salvation is like a two-sided coin. It's called repentance and faith. You repent. You say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry I've broken your commandments. I'm sorry I've broken your law. Please forgive me, and I put my trust in Jesus. And when you do that, he comes inside, and you have an authentic conversion. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life, is what the gospel says in John chapter 3. An authentic conversion. And then notice, so that was him defending his apostleship, showing that he had um, seen the Lord Jesus. Now, we don't have apostles no more. Those were commissioned by the Lord, sent out by the Lord. But what we do have today is pastors, teachers, evangelists, people in ministry. You guys, every believer in Christ has a job, has a ministry. And the second principle in this very passage right here for a ministry that counts is, it says in the end of verse 1, he says, Are you not my work in the Lord? What's he talking about here? He's talking about the fruit of Paul's ministry was the church at Corinth. Was these, was these Corinthian believers, his, they were his fruit. They were the results of his Damascus Road conversion and him going and establishing them and building them. They were the fruits. They were the evidence of his apostleship and him going out and starting the church. So the second principle for a ministry that counts today in 2017 in your life is this. What does it look like? And it's simply this. It's fruitful. It's fruitful. It's, fruit, it, it, it's, it's fruitful. And my question to you is this. Who are you investing in? Who are you making an impact in this world for Jesus? Who are you touching? It could be a neighbor, a co-worker, a son, a daughter, a relative. But who are you putting your time and energies when it comes to ministry? Who are you investing in? The, Paul, the Apostle Paul here, he was investing in the church at Corinth. And God calls all believers, everyone, to, to do ministry and to invest in people's life. And look, there's more in verse 4. Verse 4. Uh, we can't forget our family, right? When it comes to ministry, sometimes some of us, we just get so focused, we'll forget our family. But let's look at verse 4. Um, do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I have a right to refrain from working? People in ministry, in leadership especially, basically what the text is saying is this. We have a life too. We have a life too. And we cannot forget our family. And we have to take care of our family. And equally in part, equally important in, in ministry and outreach and touching other people with the gospel and discipling people and mentoring people in, in ministry is we can't forget our family. You, you, it starts at home. Me and Irene's ministry starts with our children and each other before it comes here. And you need to have the same, same focus is your ministry to your family, to your husband, to your wife, to your children, starts 
first. You have to take care of them. Verse 7, who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Now, the point of this passage the Apostle Paul is making is that they need to be supported because it's, because it's a full-time job. Because of all the demands of the ministry, he's telling the church at Corinth that they, they need support. But what I want to look at here is, is this. Is my third principle is this. Ministry that counts is this. It's demanding. It's demanding. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of coordination. Um, it's not just a pop, pop in, say something, and go. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of planning. It takes a lot of coordination. And it can be heavy. It can be taxing uh, on people. But, but it takes a lot of energy. And I noticed, I, I loved the symbols that's used in verse 7. Look at those. He says, who at any time serves as a soldier? You know, I think of a, a, someone in, doing ministry, uh, doing ministry, wherever God calls them, they have the heart of a soldier. They teach people how to fight. How, do, how does a Christian fight? He fights on his knees. He fights on his knees in prayer. He sees situations going on in the body. A brother or sister calls up and says, man, I need you to pray for me. And that soldier in us, in that ministry aspect, we pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for our loved ones. When we see our children going through situations, we go to our knees and we pray like a soldier. And we battle. We, we battle for spirit. We make, we make battles and we, and, we, and we wrestle in prayer for things that we know that are important to God and that are important to our family. The second one there in verse 7 is uh, he, he uses the illustration of a farmer. You know, in ministry, we have the heart of a farmer. What does a farmer do? A farmer sows the seed. A farmer sows the seed and waters it. Is that not what we do in ministry? Is that what not a person does in a ministry that counts? Is they sow the seed of the word of God. And they do Bible studies. And, and then after they plant the seed, they come back and water it. And they, crawl, and they, and they help it to, to, um, to grow through discipleship through accountability. Alex sent me a message this week, said, hey, I'm going to create a Facebook page for us girls to communicate. You know, Alex gets the girls together on Wednesday night, and they have Bible study, and they, they have, well, actually, it starts with Barbara. Barbara does the Bible study, Barbara and Sarah, and then Alex gets in there and talks to the girls in the one-on-one -on -one time, and now Alex is creating this little Facebook page for the girls to connect because she's getting into their lives. After you sow the seed, you come back and water it, and it's a lot of work as this passage is showing. And then finally, uh, in verse 7, uh, you see the picture of a shepherd. Full-time ministry, there's a shepherding that, that, that takes place. And shepherding encompasses so many different things. Shepherding uh, encompasses loving them, showing them the love of Christ, putting your arm around them, being there for them. Shepherding uh, includes correction. It includes correction, and when you see something going on that's wrong, that's immoral, that's sinful, the worst thing you can do is be silent. Love, listen to me, love will not stay silent. We challenge people, and we hold people accountable. Why? Because we don't want them to wreck their life. 
when we see people going in the wrong direction, we go to them in a spirit of love and humility and we challenge them. Not because we're trying to spoil some party or stop something, but because we love and we care for them. You know, we, we talk with the students every Wednesday night, you know, and I share with them, guys, I bear the scars of the past. You know, there's two sources of wisdom. You can learn now from the Word of God and make right decisions, or you can go learn from the other source of wisdom, which is what? The school of hard knocks. And then come back to the Word of God. But, but as a shepherd, and as a shepherd, finally, we protect. We see false teaching. We see unbiblical teaching. Our job as a shepherd is to protect people and to warn people of false teaching. Uh, ministry, this principle of ministry that this should be on the screen says demanding is very difficult. It's very challenging. Man, I did 26 years as a soldier. And I thought, man, I'm retiring now. I'm going to be a pastor. Like, God's calling me to be a pastor. And I kind of thought things might get a little easier. But they didn't. <laughs> it's very challenging. It's very challenging. But it's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. And I wouldn't change it for nothing. I- I'll never forget... Uh, 1993, I was uh, over at my girlfriend's house, her and her parents, and I was sitting on the couch, and I was doing my Berean Bible studies. And I, I'll never forget, I, uh, I closed the book. I was going through this book of Acts. And I said, in 1993, I said, the Lord's calling me to be a pastor. I said, I just know the Lord's calling me to be a pastor. This was over 20 years ago. 20 years ago, my girlfriend looked at me, and she said, well, me and you ain't going in the same direction. And I said, that's fine. That's fine. But for 20, for the next 20 years, as I stayed in the military, I served the Lord in my local church and youth and, and students and adult studies. I learned this. This is what I learned talking about ministry being demanding is this. Ministry is never in vain. Ministry is never in vain. If you're ministering to someone and it seems to go in one ear and out the other, don't worry, it's going in their hearts. It's going in their hearts, and they will remember what you say. Whether your children obey and submit to your wisdom and counsel from God, or whether they reject it, ministry is never in vain. I still remember as a child the things my grandmother taught me. And God has placed those things in my heart for life, and I will always remember those. Amen? Amen. Ministry is never in vain. So that was the third principle. First principle was the requirement. What does it look like? Demanding. Let's roll verse 8. I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. My fourth principle, I'm going to break that down. Did anybody understand that? It was, some, it was kind of a difficult passage. We're going to go back through it. But my fourth principle for ministry that counts is this. It needs support. Where should the support come from? It should, the support should come from the people that benefit from that ministry. In the context of the church, it should come from the body. Let's break this down. Let's go, go back and look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Let's take this verse by verse. The Apostle Paul says in verse 8, 
I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? In other words, what he's saying in that verse, is this human reasoning or is this God's way? Is this man's idea or is this what's written in the word? He continues. He's going to appeal to the authority of Scripture, verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4. This is something that the Israelites got from Egypt. In the threshing floor, they would have an oxen. He would drag around this big stone across the floor, and it would crush all the grain, and it would separate the wheat from the chaff. And so he's going around, he's crushing it all, he's grinding it all, all the chaff is going away, is getting blown away, and he's crushing it. And they were like, hey, don't muzzle the oxen. Let the ox get down and get a little grub while he's, while he's doing the floor, while he's, while he's pressing out the grain. And what he's saying there is, let, 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 the, let the ox get some food over the work that he is doing. Now, question for you, is he talking about an ox? Is he talking about a mule? Is, is Deuteronomy, go back and study Deuteronomy chapter 25. It has nothing to do with animals. It has everything to do with the, with the, with this, with this civil nation of Israel and how they, how they do, how they, um, how they operate. Look at verse 9. Um, actually, halfway through verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you, you shall not muzzle the ox while he was threshing. To answer that question, is he talking about an animal? Halfway through verse 9. God is not concerned about the oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Friends, this has nothing to do with animals. This has everything to do with those who are doing ministry. It continues in verse 9. It says it itself. Yes, for our sake, for us, it was written, not the animals, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sow spiritual things in you, here it is. If we sow spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Um, we need to support ministries that sow spiritual truth into our life. We need, we need to support them. We need to be a part of them. What does that look like? It's when they, they teach the Word of God. They teach the Bible. And they get involved in people's lives where we become one with the family of God and the people of God. It, this, uh, we need to support ministries where, where we're growing, where, where, where we find a place where we are growing in our relationship with Christ. Those are the type of ministries, whether it's a missionary, whatever organization, you have to ask yourself, are they being effective in ministry? And those are the ministries that we want to be a part of. Like I said, the questions we need to ask is, am I growing? Are they making a difference? Are they committed to the Word of God? No, no uh, sermonettes for Christianettes. Going deep, digging deep. Our, my, our goal at Calvary Chapel is to help you guys get planted by that stream of living water and for your roots to go deep in your faith in God and for you to grow spiritually, and for you to grow strong. That's the vision. That should be the vision of every church, every church in the community. 
It's our vision, and hopefully it's all the other churches that we're building believers to last, that we're building believers to grow. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's continue here. Verse 12. Verse 12. If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Verse 13, do you not know that those who perform the sacred services eat the food of the temple and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed that those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. It's the biblical pattern, what the Apostle Paul is laying out here to the church at Corinth, it's the biblical pattern for the people to support their minister and to support the ministry. Now, it does not mean someone in ministry lives in a mansion or drives a, 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 a Lamborghini or a sports car. You know, it just means that they're taken care of, that the family is, is taken care of and is well off, and, and they're, they're, they're well taken care of. That's all it means. It doesn't mean the gospel ministry is never a place for people to get rich off of or to squeeze the flock or to scam people. It should never be that way. That's wrong. That's sinful. And we see it all the time on TV and in the news about these exorbitant, exorbitant salaries and money. It should never be that way. The focus should always be in a ministry that counts. But at the same time, people have to be taken care of. Amen? All right, let's roll into verse 15 and 16, and we'll, we'll look at the uh, fifth principle. What's, what, the question is, what is at the center of our ministry? What is at the center of our ministry? Verse 15. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case, for it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. Now, here Paul is saying we have the liberty, because Scripture sets the example out for church at Corinth, that you need to support me, the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul was so sensitive to, to, to reaching out with the gospel and, and to seeing people get saved, he's saying, I'm not going to exercise that right. I'm not going to exercise that right. And I'm going to continue to be a tent maker because I'm not going to do anything in life that will keep people from knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I'm not going to throw any stumbling block in people's path to keep them from coming to know Christ. And it's very important in ministry that, we, that, that when you do ministry, that we live a life above reproach, that we live a life above reproach, and we don't put any obstacle in people's way to keep them from knowing the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? We have to be very careful, you know, as church, as church leadership, as, as people who do ministry, even in your life, in your outreach, in your sphere of influence, we have to be very careful how we live our life and what we do so that we don't keep other people from seeing something that we do wrong, becoming a roadblock for them to come into faith. Amen? Amen. Um, verse 16, and actually here's the, the fifth principle, verse 16. For if I, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast for I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. The fifth principle for a ministry that counts is, is the question is, what is at the center? What is at the center? And is this, 
the gospel. The gospel is at the center of everything a church does. The gospel is at the center of every ministry, of of every outreach. We're not just this organization going around doing good works. We're not trying to make the world a better place to go to hell from. We want to bring people to Christ. That's the goal, whether it's feeding the, feeding the hungry, uh, taking care of the poor, reaching out. The ultimate goal, now we can use all kind of avenues, whether it's feeding or providing school supplies or doing this ministry or doing this ministry, but ultimately all those ministries is to bring them to the gospel, is to bring them to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, to help them know and understand the love of God found in Jesus. That's the goal. That's the beginning, the middle, and the end, and the after end, and the pre-beginning. That's everything. It's the gospel. The gospel is at the center of everything, whether it's student ministry, adult, um, children, women's, men's, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is at the center, and bringing people to a saving knowledge of him is our goal in everything. It's so they'll know him. So they'll know him, and then they'll turn around, and they'll make him known. Amen? So the gospel's at the center. You want to be effective effective in ministry? Keep the main thing the main thing, which is Jesus. Verse 17, let's wrap this up. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel Finally, my final point up there is is what is the reward of ministry? And the reward of ministry is changed lives. It's changed lives. It's people being discipled, people growing in their relationship with God and in their relationship with other people. You know, you're not meant to do life alone. And we live in a world where everybody is isolated to their four corners. And so many of us miss those, those dynamics of relationship, not to mention a relationship with God, but the ultimate reward is to connect people with the Lord Jesus Christ and then connect people with each other. Our, 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 I keep going back to our student ministry because it's blowing up at Panera Bread, but we won't be there for very long. But we are, we are shoulder to shoulder in there. We got a table. We have... Um, I'm taking a guess here. We're probably like seven or eight students here, maybe eight or nine students here tonight, I mean this morning, that come to our student ministry. But we have a whole other group of students that do not come to Calvary Chapel Irma on Sunday morning, but they come on Wednesday nights for the sole purpose of listening to Miss Barbara teach them respectable sins. But anyway, we're in, we're in, anyway my point is the, the reward of ministry is lives being changed. And we got this room packed out, and it's so exciting to see these girls connecting and growing. That's the reward. That's the mission. That's the mission. As lives change, people save, discipleship, living life the way God intended. Families being put back together. And if you make it known to us that you're struggling in one of those areas, we will commit to praying for you. We will commit to praying for you. We will commit to reaching out to you, we will commit to uh, saying, hey, what can we do? How can we help? Because we, we want to be a, a ministry that counts. How can we reach out? 
Church, that's what we got to be about. That's what we have to be about. Amen? Let's pray for these areas. Father God in heaven, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that this is what this passage tells us. This is what a ministry that counts looks like. So, Lord, I pray for everyone that you would just uh, let them see the requirement, see you high and lifted up, and to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to understand the demand. Father, I pray that uh, you raise up support around us. Not, it, could, it could be um, financial support. It could be prayer support. It could be uh, support that says, hey, I want to come help. I want to come be a part of this. I want to sit down and disciple and talk to people. Help us in this area of support. Help us to keep the gospel at the center and let our reward and our focus always, always, always be uh, change lives that come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all ready for the big announcement? I sent out the email yesterday. I said, this is going to be epic. And my friends, it is epic. Amen. Amen. Uh, real quickly, if you're new to Calvary Chapel, um, just want to give you a quick history of us. After years of prayer, me and Irene, we felt the Lord leading us to come up to Calvary Chapel, Irmo, uh, come up to Irmo, South Carolina, and start a Calvary Chapel. In January of um, 2015, we, I contacted Pastor John Hoppy over at Calvary Chapel, Lexington, and he says, hey, Call, call up this couple, uh, Rick and Mary. Rick and Mary? Who's Rick and Mary? Rick and Mary Howell. I don't know who they are, but anyway, we'll call them up. So we called them up, and we met them on a Sunday night at Panera Bread. It was just me and Irene. We came in. We introduced ourselves. Hi, Rick. Hi, Mary. We sat down at the table, and we said, hey, we feel the Lord's calling us to start a Calvary Chapel in Irmo. Do y'all want to be a part? And um, I, I think they said that night. But anyway, they said, yes, we will be a part. We want to be a part of this. So in January of 2015, we came up here with nothing, no, no, no finances, no, no, no finances, no people, no, uh, no sound system, no chairs. We had nothing. I had my Bible. I had my Bible. I said, okay, let's go start a Bible study. So anyway, we started a Bible study, and we grew for a couple months, and then we moved to Lake Murray Gymnastics. And we sat at Lake Murray Gymnastics for two years. You know, every morning we would get in there and vacuum that place down. We'd put a layer of Febreze across the floor to suppress the smell. And, um, but God just started bringing people in, started bringing in support for the ministry. We saved up money. We bought chairs. We saved up money. We bought a sound system. We saved up money, bought computers, saved up more money. And just over the years, we just kept building up and building up. We bought the, um, the curtains. And so that's how we grew. We, we weren't given um, no people, no finances, no resources, no nothing. And God just kept growing us and growing us and growing us and developing the leadership, and we praise the Lord for all that. And now we are ready to take our next step. Yesterday, we signed a five-year lease on this property right here. This is 312 St. Andrews Road. 
It's called um, St. Andrew's. It's been um, St. Andrew's. Uh, yeah, it used to be clusters of Whitehall. I wrote it down in case I forgot, because sometimes I forget. <laughs> it's called St. Andrew's Center, but it's the clusters of Whitehall. If you go down St. Andrew's Road, you pass Piney Grove, and then there's Bush River that takes off to the right, and right past that is the clusters of Whitehall um, Shopping Center. Yeah, where Ollie's is. Oh my goodness. When you get out of church on Sundays, just walk out the door and take a left and go into Ollie's. That store is amazing. <laughs> that store is amazing. But yes, yesterday, God has just, He has just, everything, our, our people, our resources, our equipment, uh, here we are, one, two, we're at, we're at the two and a half year mark. We're at the two and a half year mark. And we are moving into our permanent facility that will be called Calvary Chapel. Amen. 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 And it, it would not have been possible um, without everybody coming together as the body of Christ and doing their part. I could sit here and go on for the next three hours on everything you guys are doing, from Greg opening up his home and having men's Bible study to um, Sasha coming along beside Alex and helping her with doing ministry with the students. I could sit here and talk about each and every one of you guys, but it's because we're coming together as a body and we're unified and God has taken us to the next level. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let me make sure I, make sure I, I remember everything I'm supposed to share. We have two more Sundays here. We have today and two more Sundays, and we're hoping to be in the building um, September 3rd. Very minimal work's got to be done. We gotta, we're going to go in and have new carpet and hardwoods put in to freshen the place up because the carpets are, are pretty rough. Um, but we're hoping to be in there in three weeks. Starting tomorrow, oh yeah, the fellowship groups. No fellowship groups this week. We are going to meet at the building. Some, somebody from leadership will be at the building every day this week, Monday through Friday, from 4 o'clock, from 4 to 8, 4 to 9. And um, we'll have painting supplies, and we're asking, which I know you guys will, because just I know how faithful you guys have been over these past two years. But um, Monday through Friday, from 4 to 9 p.m., we're having a work night. And um, we're not going to have a sign-up, but we're just going to say, hey, we will be there every day this week from 4 to 9, um, and we invite um, whosoever would like to come out and help us paint. Students, we're going to um, come together Wednesday night at 7 p.m. there at the new building. We're going to have a word of prayer, have some fellowship, have some, some scripture reading, and then, and then we're, getting, we're getting the paintbrushes going. <laughs> uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, the men's ministry, we're going to meet there at the building and, and, and have some fellowship, have some prayer, have some scripture reading, and then we're going to get the paint. The, the paintbrush is going. And um, so, yeah, that's what the plan is. We'll be there tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. But uh, St. Andrew's Common, 312 uh, St. Andrew's Road, is our new home starting September 3rd. Um, so, yeah, so we praise the Lord for that. We're excited. You can see, we can see by the attendance this morning that we're, we're growing in this place. And um, it's, the Lord's leading us to take the next step. And uh, it's amazing. So, Praise the Lord for that. So anyway, that's it. Um, let's close in prayer.
And then if you have any questions, feel free. You know, we're going to need electricians. We're going to need painters. We're going to need construction. We've got some walls that's got to be demoed. We've got a lot of painting, a lot of cleaning. And um, stop by tomorrow after 4 o'clock if you want to come in and check out the building. We'll be there working on it. Amen? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our body. Thank you, Lord, that you're expanding our territory so we can do more ministry, so that we can reach more students with your word, so that we can reach out to more families. God, thank you so much that you're taking us to the next step. And we give you all the glory, Lord God. It's not in me. It's not in any leaders. It's not in any people. It's all of you. So, Lord, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. If our prayer guys would come on up, prayer men and ladies, uh, we're going to close with a song. And if you're here and you need special prayer, there'll be two guys over here and two ladies over here for special prayer. You know, if not, reflect on the meaning of the message. Ask the Lord, where is he calling you in ministry? And, um, and just rejoice in the direction that Calvary Chapel Irmo is going.